0: And actually, that makes total sense. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I know me.
1: You, yeah. you know, so that—that's our life mission. That's the McShen's mission.
2: You don't have to understand my boundaries to respect them.
1: Well, no, I'm the president, co-founder of McShen, a person of long-term recovery from substance use
0: disorders. How do you go about fixing the damage between, in the trust between the family after you get out?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. like, okay. I gotta work on that.
0: Um, celebrating my six months. Didn't have a cake. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, oh,
1: Good evening, everybody. My name is Marshall. I'm a grateful recovering addict. I'm the hype man. Get us to talk about some things that we really need to talk about or we really can talk about before our speaker comes on. Right? Uh, anybody getting out anytime soon within the next four five years? Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Because when I was in the penitentiary, if you had less than that, you had a bullshit bit. You had a bullshit bit. This was just arrest. This jail. This jail. You know. But anyway, we talk about some things, man. Talk about some things to do, or how we to do some things once we leave here. You know. Uh, We we in here. We should have enough wisdom enough wisdom now to understand success is not a straight line. Success is not a straight line. I'll say that one more time. Success is not a straight line. Meaning, you can have a plan. You can have a plan for when you leave here and you leave here and it's not a straight line. It's going to be some stumbling blocks. It's going to be some distractions. It's going to be some hiccups that you're going to have to deal with. And this thing, man, is about recovery. About recovery. I don't know. Recovery is a word that I learned. It ain't all about drugs. We need to recover from a whole lot of things. How I got here, Recovering from jail, I didn't want to keep bouncing back in and out of jail, in and out of jail. You know, whether you know it or not, that shit split your life in half. That shit divides your life. Being in jail divides your life. A lot of things that you could be doing... Man, if you stay up in here five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, get a bit, you stay in there 20 years, you can't do it. It ain't gonna happen. And most of us, most of us point the finger at somebody else. Point the finger at somebody else. Man, I was just sharing with the speaker, when I went through the incarceration thing, it was a long time before I felt safe and secure. That I ain't have no more charges or wants or indictments that they was going to bring up. Because they didn't have me for all this stuff that I did. They just had me for one thing that I did. And I did that. Some of that other stuff. Man. I'm like all the time. Did they clean the books? <laughs> did they clean the books? Because sometimes they will You know, I've seen people go in, do a bit, get out, and then they they, they present them with an indictment. You know, and you're like, how did that happen? You know, but because we know, man, that this thing ain't a straight line, a lot of times when we get out, everybody got a plan. Everybody got a plan. And then what they suggest to you is have two plan A's. Have a plan A and a plan B. Or have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Because you might need them. Yeah. You know, if you've got just one plan, i you, that might not work. you got to do some more work. You know, that's where, man, like this program that brings this program in here, that's what this program is all about, man. Second chance, man. Second chance. Some of us don't feel like, oh, they, look, I got it. I got it. I'm good. I know what I'm doing. Man, you know how many people we have heard say that? You know? We hear it all the time. Hear it all the time. I got it. I got it. Lead the treatment center. Just recently, somebody left a treatment center, ran off with one of the girls. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's so typical. Ran off with one of the girls. Two weeks later, we see them in Henrico West, you know, and they got a story. They got a story, you know. My only hope is, man, my only hope is that we learn from this, man. We learn from what we're going through, you know what I mean? Because I can remember me, my story, some things that happened to me, man, I was ready to kick my own self in the ass for being so stupid, for being so dumb. You know, and I know some of us feel the same way sometimes, man. We ain't doing what we're supposed to be doing for ourselves. You know, I just hope anybody that's in here, you know, giving yourself some time. Because you're giving the state, you're giving the county, you're giving them time. You're giving them 24-7. I just hope that you learn to give yourself some time. For anybody to read, man. Socrates. All knowledge begins with knowledge of self. Some of y'all don't even know what you like and what you dislike. Some of us have learned how to just front. You know, that's how the drug game used to be. We learn how to walk like somebody else. We learn how to talk like somebody else. All of us learn how to imitate, you know, till we get to the point where we don't even know who we are speaker told me today, right? She called today and she was like, man, we were talking on the telephone and she was like, Bam, I was just messing with you. And I said, it's good to be humorous. You know? Having some little fun. Have a smile. Have a joke or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You know? That's how me and my wife have stayed together so long. One of us bring a joke home every day. Keep the other one laughing. Come on, girl. I got a joke for you. <laughs> old dude, old dude me and my man here somebody gave him some Viagra (laughs) because he had a young girl take this before she get there and you'll be alright the dude that gave him the Viagra called him when he thought the girl was there called him and said what's going on man He said, "Man, I done climax twice already. I'm trying to clean it up. I done climax twice already." He said, "Well, what about the girl?" He said, "She ain't even got here yet." (laughs) (laughs) Stupid, (laughs) stupid. But but I like humor. I like jokes, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, me and my wife bring a joke home every day, you know, just to keep each other laughing and stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, recovery is born. Recovery is born to a lot of people because they don't know themselves. I love myself, man. I love spending time with myself. You know, and I think I got some of that from the penitentiary. I'm around y'all all all day, all day in the penitentiary. I ain't like that. I want to go do Just Leave me alone. I'm keeping it clean. Leave me the F alone. You know what I'm saying? Let me be to myself. Find out what I like and find out what I dislike. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I did. And, and today I do things man in solitude got a whole lot to do with it. I love to read. I started doing that in the penitentiary. You know? I love humor. I do I started doing that in penitentiary. I started helping people. You know? That came from the penitentiary. I told our speaker, man, look, man, the first miracle that hit me is when I met somebody in a setting just like this. A year later, they had me bringing the program in. I got clearance from the Richmond City Jail, and I was bringing the program in. And that goes back to me thinking, man, I wonder if they got warrants on me. But they cleared me to do that. That was a miracle in my mind. In my mind, that was a miracle because where I came from, didn't nobody get a chance to do that. That didn't happen. So I don't know what the miracle might be for you, you know. But there is a opportunity, there is a chance, there is a door that could open for you. Man, you got to step in it, man. And I've been doing this now for over 30 years. For over 30 years, I've been doing this, you know. And I still understand... That success ain't a straight line, man. I done had all kind of bumps and, and all that kind of stuff like that, man. Knee surgery, my mother passing, all that, man. You know what I'm saying? Things to deal with, you know? Problems that you're going to have to deal with. You know what I mean? And, man, I deal with them with myself, man. You know? My thing about the whole time that I'm here is about personal growth. It's about personal growth, You know? Man, work on it. Work on it. Work on personal growth. Get Work on giving yourself some time. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and make it happen. You know? Uh, tonight, man, we got a treat, and this especially for the females. You know? Before we do that, man, look, before we do that, this, I, I'm going to share this too, man. I got two guys over here. Y'all, y'all might see them. Every week, every week y'all see these guys setting up they are video people they are IT people right when you're talking about miracles he knew nothing about this before he got here he been here six months Stevie knew nothing about this and now look what they're doing I, I mean he's doing some amazing things man he's doing some amazing things and I don't know if you somebody in here and you like tinkering with tinkering with stuff you know what I'm saying it may be something that you can do, but you can't do that kicking it with somebody uh, every day, and they telling you about you know trying to get a bag and, and trying to get a pack and all that. You know what I'm saying? The little stuff that you got going on. And I'm sure there's some people in here today, man. You know the trend today is to find a trade. Find a trade. Learn how to use your hands. Learn how to use your hands because what what some people say. There's a lot of jobs that are out here now. They're going to disappear. They're going to have robots. They're going to have robots doing your job. Find something to do with your hands. And you'll be good. You know? But I wanted to read. Man, this is art right here. And this is Steve. Doing a magnificent job every week. Let's give him a shout out. And that's, that's good stuff, man. And we got other people that's in the facility, other people in our facility that's doing other things. We had some people that start like, doing electrical work. We had got some people that come the work, uh, uh, laying bricks. We had people doing all kinds of stuff, man. And they come here and they find out what they can do and they develop a passion for it. And, man, it's a crooked line, but it's success. You know what I'm saying? It's a crooked line, you know? So with that, man, I say we got to treat. We got to treat for the women, man, because we got to bring some females down here uh, on occasions. And we did. We brought a female down here today. And, I mean, she can talk to y'all. I ain't going to tell her a story. But for y'all like that like ride bikes and all that kind of stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, y'all? <laughs> you know, she can give you something. You know what I mean? With that, I give you Tammy.
2: Thanks, Marshall. Hey, Tammy. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, is this thing on? Yeah. Yes, okay. Hey, y'all. I'm an addict. My name's Tammy. I just want to take a look around for a minute. You know, it's really wild because usually when I come in somewhere, I see at least about a half a dozen people I know. And I don't today, which to me is kind of like a miracle because uh, he said I know him. <laughs> It's kind of a miracle because it must mean I'm I'm kind of like out of a loop. And it really, it doesn't mean that I'm that far from it because my clean date is only um, January the 17th of 2019. So I'm just, you know, coming up on four years, four months. Yep. So I'm trying to figure out how I can see everybody because I want to see everybody. Um, But I really want to be close also. um, You know, I am in a 12-step program, and I have been following the RISE program. I've been following the progress for years and years and years. When I actually got clean, I landed in Henrico West, and I really never had any charges anywhere outside of Richmond. Um, But on that particular occasion, I landed in Henrico, and um, I Laid on the floor, puking green. Yeah, I laid there and kicked for a couple weeks. And um, just, I mean, just by the kindness of uh, somebody I love very dearly um, is actually my sponsor who hadn't spoken to me in about three years. Um, She came and got me with some requirements. We'll put it like that, requirements. And uh, I'll just... out with saying that I'm a Richmonder and I said that already and Marshall and I were talking about it before. Um, I'm like an original Richmonder and I say I'm an OG from OG because uh, OG from Oak Grove if anybody is hip to South Richmond. Um, I don't live there now. Uh, As a matter of fact I live um, down on the water and I live a block from the beach like one block off of the beach and and talking about miracles. It's a miracle. Um because I started in this world well let me just say this. I started this 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 trip in recovery I started like with a blown up car an apartment that I had been it was just. It was covered in drugs and paraphernalia. Um, my dogs had had been I'm not in there. Sure I understand. Oh, you hush up. Yeah, So my dogs had been in there for a couple of weeks. I, I. When I came to jail, I. I thought I was gonna die. I thought that was that was it for me. And then, as a matter of fact, I had made a promise to myself that if anything happened to my dogs, that you know I was going to off myself and I I started making that plan and I was pretty sure that that nobody would take a call from me because I had burned every bridge you know out there and so um, I I had gotten arrested and the uh, the police had uh, confiscated my phone um, and taken it into evidence and um, so I had no they wouldn't they wouldn't let me get you know how like sometimes when you come into processing they'll let you get like you know three or four numbers out of your phone and write them on a piece of paper well there was none of that and so I didn't have an inmate number because I was so sick I just wouldn't comply with anything that they were asking me to do oh (laughs) that's classic dude that's just classic I wish y'all I wish y'all were, the who are watching this on on live on live feed. I wish y'all could have seen that. That was classic. <laughs> humor. So look, humor. Marshall was just talking about humor, man. <laughs> We got to keep it, we got to keep it light sometimes, you know. Um, (laughs) (sighs) That was great. That was great. (laughs) Yeah, let's get round of applause. Big round of applause. So that was, that was so awesome, especially for a a ginger. Yeah. Leave it to a ginger. Yeah. Um, so if, where was I? What was I even talking about? Oh, well, yeah. I, I, you know, I wasn't doing anything they asked me to do. I was high as gas. Um, I, I was nowhere near sick yet. I was just high. And, um, they drugged me into that, um, process. I, I don't remember anything. I just remember waking up sick, you know, maybe a day or two later. And, um, I had no inmate number, so I had no way to, you know, to walk over to the phone and put my number in, and, and I had no numbers, because all my numbers were in the phone. And of course, you know, I was just so cantankerous, I, I was just, just evil. I was, I was evil, I was in a rage, and uh, you know, who in the hell is going to help somebody who's just, bleh, you know, it's just, I was gross. And so nobody would help me, and i was like, nobody will help me and um finally after about 2 weeks i i was sitting in there for 2 weeks and i i all of a sudden a phone number popped into my mind and it was my sponsor's number and i dialed it and she, like i said she hadn't spoken to me for about 3 years cuz that's how long i'd been out there and um and i'd begged her on numerous occasions to to talk with me and she wouldn't Right, because I was out there, I was going hard. And uh, on this particular occasion, she happened to be going through some personal things in her life and for some reason, she took my call. And um, so I started on this journey. I had to go back into the apartment where I had been doing, you know, what we do. And it was in Northside in Richmond. And I mean, and it was covered and I didn't have anywhere else to go. And so I had to walk in there. I tried for about uh, three or four days to get somebody to come in there with me and to clean out all the drugs and everything. And uh, I mean, everybody knew how bad it was and nobody would help me. Again, nobody would help me. Nobody would go into that apartment with me and clean it out. So I went in there and I had every intention of using what was in there, every intention. And so don't ask me why I didn't, because I don't know. But I went in there and I started putting stuff in bags, and, not baggies, bags, <laughs> trash bags. And and I, I was able to get it out. And within a couple of months, um, within a couple of months, I stayed there for a couple of months. I hadn't paid rent the entire time I'd lived there, I hadn't paid a light bill, I hadn't paid anything. And uh so it was just a very short period of time and, and I was evicted. So all my stuff went out on the lawn and um I was homeless, so here I am with two dogs. I, I got two hundred pound dogs and one little sixteen pound dog, and um, and we were homeless. And you know, and so basically, when when I got out of jail and I went into that apartment, the agreement was that I was going to go to a doctor and I was going to get some medication. And I don't mean something that's addictive. I mean something that's non-addictive. And I went and I got this implant, and that was, the, that was the agreement between my sponsor and I, is that I would go get this implant because they, we knew that I was gonna die. Everybody knew I was gonna die. I don't know how I am even standing here today. Everybody knew I was gonna die. And my sponsor was kind enough to like put a, a plan in place for me when I had no plan, I had none. And so I went and got this implant in my tummy, and um, and it was awful. Uh, you know, I had some stitches and you know, staples and stuff like that. And, um, you know, if I went, and it was good for a couple months, so it bought me a little bit of time. And um, I, I, I came out, and I started going to meetings every day. Well, I won't say that I wanted to live. It was a a good while before I actually wanted to live. Like, I I wasn't sure that the program was going to work for me. I mean, in the 12-step program, I wasn't sure that was going to work for me. I wasn't sure um, that the threat of prison was going to keep me clean. I I really didn't think anything was going to work, and I was pretty sure that I was going to go in there, pull that thing out of my tummy, and, and shoot some dope. I had that reservation. And before, uh, before, I, before I go any further, I will say that uh, just as I was sitting there and Marshall was talking, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't put together anything I wanted to talk about today. Um, and so just before this started, I asked Art, I said, Art, give me a topic. And, and he said reservations. Does anybody know about reservations, what that is? Is everybody in here? Everybody in here is in Rise? Sweet, sweet, sweet. So the reservation is, it's like I'm holding a reservation in my, it's somewhere in my recovery that, that if this happens, I will use, right? So I had made up my mind that if the stuff that was going on didn't work, I was going to use. And I wasn't going to use to get high and party. I was going to use to be done with it, right? And so I'll shoot up. I said that already. And I do everything else. Like when I'm using, I go all the way. Um, And and wow. So within my first, uh, I will say this, within my first three months, so I got clean in January. On April 29th that year, something happened. Uh, I got a call on the phone from my dad. And um, he said, Tony's over there on Broad Street in a hotel. And I said, all right. He said, I need you to go identify him. I said, what? He said, yeah, I need you to go over there and identify his body. So my brother, Tony, was my last brother I've got left. I've got five brothers, I'm the oldest. And if you were to sweep all the drugs that they were to have ever done in their whole life into a pile this big i mean, I, I did more than it like if what they used in their whole life you know is what i use at one time you know um, and so tony was the last one and he overdosed on fentanyl and i went and i identified him on the floor of this hotel room cold and naked with his girlfriend in the bathroom smoking crack in the shower with the, with the curtain closed, smoking crack in the shower. So that was three months clean and somehow I didn't use through that and I, I had to make the arrangements for him. I had no money. I was about to be evicted. I was out here. I mean, I wasn't this big. I was rail thin. I probably weighed maybe 105, 110 pounds, and I was out there building a brick stone patio, uh, just trying to make a couple bucks, you know? I was just trying to, like, make meetings, make a couple bucks, just, you know, get dog food and and stuff like that, and put gas in the car. And, uh, you know, and, and I didn't know how I was gonna make it. Well, so there was Tony, and he was gone. And I'm arranging the, a memorial service for him, and and getting him cremated, and stuff like that. And um, and then about maybe four or five weeks after that, I got the notice on the door. I was evicted. So all my stuff went outside on the lawn, and the dogs and I. We didn't know we didn't have any money. You know, and uh, I know my sponsor's not the type of person like she had it, but she wasn 't just going to like you know put me up or you know you know people. they want to see that you're you're trying right Well, I made up my mind I was going to go live at a tent, and i so I, I went online and I was like trying to find a tent to go live at the river in a tent with my dogs because i wasn't going to get my dogs up um and so all along, and I'm telling you all this story because it's like all along I just had to put one foot in front of the other. I did not know how I was going to stay. Didn't. Did not know how I was going to stay here. Um, so I ended up being homeless uh, and by the way, I had a bracelet on my leg too, and it was, you know, it was coming up on summertime, and I was getting a few little jobs, right. But you know, what uh, Marshall was talking about, things not being linear, you know, that there's, there's, there's curves, and you know, there's plans A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, and and, and none of them are working. And um, what am I going to do? Well, you know what I did was I just kept going to a meeting every day. And I went and I was raising holy hell and I looked like a crazy woman. My hair was just, blah, blah. you know, I mean, I, I look crazy. I looked, I looked crazy and I talked crazy. It was clear to everybody that I was crazy as hell. It was clear. And um, so I was just out there just doing the deal uh, just putting one foot in front of the other, make a couple bucks, but I had made up my mind, see. And so for, for anybody really in here, it's like um, I, I live my life basically in the nightlife, right? Most of us sleep during the day and we're up all night, right? And I'm used to that. I've always been used to that. I've been working in bars and restaurants for all time. You know, because it's a really easy way to get money every single day, right? And so, you know, I had made up my mind early on when I came out that, that I was gonna, not going to take a night job. So, it, you know, it's like when you're making your plan, you might want to think about, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just, this is just a suggestion. But you might want to think about, you know, getting a day job. You know, because most of our meetings meet at night right? seven, six, seven, eight o'clock. So, if I'm not, if I'm at work, I, that's a good excuse not to be in a meeting, right? Because I'm working. Because that's really important, right? Well, guess what? It's more important to be in the meeting. I'd rather be broken in the meeting than to be working in high, right? Right? Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, reservations you know it's like I kept saying if this doesn't work out if I go to the penitentiary because I should have been going to the penitentiary because I, I had some nice little charges racked up some weight and um, man, I'll tell you so I wore that bracelet for a year And I lived and I ended up working during the day. Like I said, I said, I'm only going to work 30 hours a week. I'm not going to work 40 or 50 like I always do. And so I I came out and I started working this 30 hours a week and going to a meeting every night. And, you know, and, and, and then it occurred to me, you know, you know, that the reason I had to sit back and I had to think about why this had never worked for me. I had to really think about that because like now I'm at the point where it like you know hypothetically it's life and death we hear that all the time right dude it is life and death it is life and death for me to do it right the first time this time is life and death i don't have any margin for error and that's this addict i don't have any more margin left it's done now, it doesn't mean I can't make mistakes. Yeah, I can make mistakes. I make mistakes every single day. But there's a whole lot of stuff that I've eliminated from the equation, you know. And and it didn't happen overnight, and, and it's never perfect. But, you know, I had to finally surrender to the fact that my way didn't work. Um, my way didn't work. Because my way, you know, I want to make all the money. My sponsor used to make fun of me. All, well, not make fun of me, but she used to say jokingly, but she was in a dark way. It was funny. But she was like, oh, yeah, Tammy can, uh, she gets out of jail and she's like Teflon. She's got a BMW and, a, you know, an apartment like three months later. Well, this time it didn't happen like that. You know why? Because I didn't try. I didn't try to have it like that this time. And I stayed in a hotel uh, moved from hotel to hotel to hotel, just trying to get the best rate and keep the keep the cost down. But I was spending about three thousand dollars a month in hotels. I mean, I had no money for anything else except to live, have a roof over my head, so it was a long time and i 'm going tell you what it was I, I, it was thanksgiving of um, of, of two thousand and twenty when did COVID happen is that was that twenty one It was 21. Okay, so uh, uh, at Thanksgiving time of 20, like, here, I'm at my wit's end, and I'm like, man, if this don't work out, I'm like, donezo. I am out of here. I am sick of this shit. I can't do it. So, but still, I was making a meeting every day, and by now, I'm going, I'm doing some outside therapy. Like, I'm I'm seeing a therapist once a week, and we're doing this cool little thing called EMDR. I don't know if anybody's hip to that. Y'all ever heard of it? E-M-D-R, it's eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And it's for people who have trauma. And so if you've ever been in a set of handcuffs, I just want to share with you, you've been traumatized. You know that, right? If you've ever been ripped away from your children, your family, you've been traumatized, right? So as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, I'm no doctor, and I'm not making any diagnosis, but... Everybody in this room, and I hate to say it, even these guys, you know, is that there's a level of trauma with this lifestyle. And when, like, how many people in this room, this is their first time ever in jail? First time? Wow. One, two, three, four. Out of how many? Like 60 or something? 70 people? There's like three or four people this is their first time. How many? Twice. Show of hands. Twice? Twice? One. Twice. How many three times? How many? Four? How many more than four? Whoa! Yeah, let's yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You know what? This becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle. And it sucks. Because there is a room full of people here with heads on your shoulder. Like with life, blood. Right? There's life. I mean I look around and I see life, right? Man, I bet y'all it y'all in there on the on the on the pot or I don't know if you call them a tear pot or whatever. But y'all are in there doing a the damn thing, right? If you're on rise, I know you're doing it, because they would put you out if you weren't. Right? Yes indeed. Right? And so It's like the same drive that drives you to get out of jail has got to drive you to stay out. The same drive, like, I mean, you know, yeah, all of us, like, I I don't know how many times I was on the program tier or whatever, and you know, and I'm going in front of the judge 18,000 times and every time I'm like, please, please let me out, I won't do it again. And that day, like as soon as I got that check from records, records room, give you a check here. Yeah, well, yeah, they give you a check. Boy, I'd be walking up that hill to the check cashing place, and my palms start getting sweaty. Right? I had plans for that little thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. $30, $3, something like that, $5, 10 or 500 You know, it just depends. But it was, you know, when I came out and my palms started sweating like that and I made my decision right then that I might do what they – I told him I would do for about five minutes, but next thing you know I'd be gone and I would – And sometimes I would even make it for a little while, right? I would even make it for like three months, six months, nine months. I think I even stayed clean for a year one time. But there was always like a carrot. You know, it was either I wanted to get my kids back, I didn't want to lose the job. I never really gave a shit about the dude. Oh, I'm sorry. I care. I care. Um... But, yeah, I just, um, I really never, I never wanted to do it all the way. Like, I always wanted to keep this one little thing over here to do. Whether, you know, and I, I can name them, I can make a whole list, but you know what it, you know what they are. Like, I want to do this, this, that, or the third. I either want to steal, I either want somebody's man, I want somebody's wallet, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, you know, and I don't want anybody to know because really, like, it's not, it's not what I want is not moral, generally speaking. Like I might say it and I might frame it in such a way that makes it sound moral, but if I'm not doing it myself, if I'm not earning a living myself by my blood, sweat, and tears and getting in there and doing the meetings and being honest, I am a liar. I'm telling you, I am a liar. I would rather climb a tree to tell a lie than stand on the ground and tell the truth. And there's a reason for that. And I'm clear on what the reasons are. Like, I I know that when I was younger, if I told the truth, I was gonna get my ass stomped, right? I was gonna get my ass stomped and I did. So, I learned real early not to tell the truth, you know, to at least prolong that ass-flipping, drag it out a little bit, right? So, getting here, you know, and, and doing this work and everything, I've, I've had to like, like I thought I was, because I was a liar, I thought that I was just bad and, you know, because I'm just bad, that's why I lie. Well, no, there's, there's probably a lot of reasons that a lot of people do things they don't know why they do them. But there's usually a reason, and you know, and it's like I've found that in recovery it's like, if I want to stay clean, if I want to execute my my ultimate plan, and I do I've got plans today, like I've got some really <laughs> exciting stuff that, that I want to do, and they involve all of you, believe it or not, they involve all of you and it's like if I want to live where I want to live, if I want the relationships that I want, but if I want the, the things that are good and pure and you know and worthwhile and have meaning, then I, I don't get to live outside of good and pure and meaning. Because what you do will dictate what you get. You know, I can't always keep I can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Like I've got to find somebody in this world that I'm honest with. And you know, and and I'm honest with about everything. I've got to be, I know y'all are in there on Rise and and y'all got your recovery books and, and everybody's in there writing their ass off, right? Well, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do, that's how we get recovery, right? And then we find somebody to share that stuff with. Not just you know, go in the bag that we leave out of the jail in, and you know, and then when you get home, drop the bag in the closet, and because you never want to see it again. No, you got to get that book out. All the stuff that you're writing in here, get it out. Find somebody that you can trust who believes in you, and wants to help you in your recovery, and read it to them. You know, I don't like hanging around with chicks. Because i got five brothers, right? I grew up the ass-kicker of the family and the, and the alpha, you know, I could say alpha male, because technically it was like I was just one of them. I really never even had girl clothes coming up. See, I didn't understand why I wore boy clothes my whole life. Well, because I didn't get girl clothes, that's why. Because we got, you know, six kids and so, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But I did, I wore boy clothes for, I still wear boy clothes all the time. Um, And I I put it on the pockets, because I don't like the the cut of the girls' pockets now, they're too short, too shallow. Yeah, Um, and I still carry cash. So, you know, and um, I just, I kind of got off track a little bit, but after that first year, I said in, I, I said in uh, Thanksgiving time, I was able to get out of the hotel. Well, guess what I got? I got a garage. I did, I did. A guy in the program, Cricket. I don't know, y'all. Cricket might even come out here, I don't know, does he? But Cricket, Cricket, Cricket let me come to his house. He didn't give me a key to his house though. He did give me a key to the garage, though. I got a key, y'all. I got my first key, and it was to a garage, and it had a concrete floor and two windows and a door, but I put a bed in that jank, and I put a fucking carpet down, and uh, my little uh, refrigerator, I put a microwave on top of that. And in, in all actuality, I set it up just like my cell in the penitentiary, honest to God. You know, I, 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 I question just about everything that I do or say now. I ask myself, like, where does it come from? I ask myself where it comes from. Well, let me just tell you all, I stayed in that garage all through the winter, and then I think it was like right up there in March or April, and COVID happened, right? and my my guy cricket he's like I got a house. He said I don't know what you're going to do. But I got I got another place. He said and I recommended him to to let you get this place. Well, guess what? I got out the garage and I got the house with the garage. Right? So I was like, "Yay!" You know, and that was like a, that was a year, and that was like a year, and I mean, I'm clapping because it was fucking monumental, y'all. Man, I, had, I did not have anything that I didn't hustle somebody out of. Nothing. I, I didn't have anything that I didn't burn somebody for, that I didn't step on somebody's head for. Stick a gun on your face for I didn't have anything that I earned, and and I earned that garage, and then I earned that little house, right? And all along, I'm working, and I'm making meetings, and I'm going to my little counseling sessions, and I'm meeting with my sponsor, and I'm talking to chicks, and I'm not like, I, you know, and I'm just going to put it like this. I mean. We're talking about four years and some change, like four years, four months, and I'm still not in a relationship. I know that's unheard of, right? That, I mean, no, because you can shake your head no, but I guarantee you let him, let, let him show up, right? And uh, trust me, him or her, or, or you know, him or her, him or her, doesn't matter. I knew that I had one shot at this because this last time when I was in that jail, when I most everybody starts at West, right? Well, you think about the uh, the uh, the thing on the wall with all the buttons in it, and then the Sally port, right? And then the pod, and then the, the door for yourself. I had that shit timed. If, if something that didn't go my way, I had it timed. How long it would take them to get to the control panel to pop the first Sally port door to pop the second Sally port door and then get in and pop my door I had it all timed I was gonna be done I meant it and so I have carried that with me since January 17th 2019 and I hope I never forget it because the low that comes with that, I could just boohoo right now the low that comes with that hopelessness, that complete and utter despair. Well, COVID happened. So we'll just play it, come on back to present day. COVID happened. And, you know, and they shut the whole world down. And I'm gonna tell y'all that I was in the crew that we were meeting. I meant I was going to keep going to meetings. Now, uh, Art and all these guys, they come from the McShin Foundation. And it just so happens that, like, I love the McShin Foundation. And I actually started uh, with the McShin Foundation when they first started in 2004, I think. Four or six, something like that. But um, But I could never stay. I kept going back out. I had my own plans, right? I had always had reservations that this is how it was going to go and this is how it was going to look. And so I always ended up high again. Um, But when COVID happened, I I said, well, nothing can change for me because I will die. And I knew that was the truth. And so what I did was I was going to the parking decks where people were meeting for 12-step meetings in, you know, they were like, the basement. You know, they, they, they were private, they were underground meetings and you know, and, and the only way that you would know where they were was if you had to be in the loop to hear about where they were from word of mouth from other addicts who were still going to meetings. And and I mean to tell you some of these parking decks, there'd be like 150 people in there because I wasn't the only one that knew their ass was grass if we didn't have meetings. There was a whole bunch of people that knew, and I was so grateful for that. But then I also, you know, I also got in McShin, and, you know, it's like, uh, I just went over there. I started spending all my extra time, like, spending time with um, the intensive house people, uh, people who, I don't think, think they were letting people out of jail. It was just crazy. It was crazy. So... Um, I started, you know, spending all my time working, working there and working from home on the computer. And it's like, we all had to trudge through a really hard time during COVID, but it's like, I knew that I couldn't let it kill me. COVID might kill me, but addiction would kill me faster. I knew that. I knew it. So um, I just, I kept doing what I knew would work for me. And um, so now, <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking about, you know, as everything started opening back up, and and I started working, and my work called me up one day. They were like, "Hey, um, can can we get you to go down to Newport News and work for us there?" And I was like, "I don't know. I I got. I mean, like, I had never. I never had." something I didn't hustle somebody from uh, for before, so I had this house and it was like on three and a half acres, you know, and my dogs were cool and they loved it and my work wants me to go somewhere and find, uh, you know, a place to live and I was like, oh, so I tried driving it, I tried driving it for a long time and then I was like, I I just got to find a place to live and um, in the midst of that, I want to tell you that I started working on my credit Right, because I said that I never had anything that I didn't hustle somebody for. And it was true. And when I started, the first time I checked my credit, I had like a like a four-something credit score. And I started working on that thing. And I started paying stuff off. And I started pay, 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 pay. And then I got check-in account. And, you know, I was like, I've always, you know, carried wads of cash in my pocket. I never, you know, I didn't trust the bank, you know, because I always knew that because I did 10 years in prison. I don't think I mentioned that yet. Did I? No. Yeah, I spent 10 years in prison from 1990 till 2000. Yep. And so there was a whole lot of child support and a whole lot of court cost fines and fees. And every time I opened a checking account, they would always take it because I wasn't paying anybody. I was like, if you want it, come get it. Catch me if you can, you know. And, and I ha- so and I have to say, that that's another reservation for me is like I can't live in the dark today. I cannot do it. Like, I can't be running from creditors. I know that finances is an area that I'm particularly sensitive around because, you know, what's mine is mine and what yours is mine. And, you know, I have to like, it's crazy because I started paying all my bills and I stopped throwing bills in the trash can. I stopped, stopped trying to call, you know, somebody to pay it for me. And so I started paying all my stuff and I started contacting like child support. And I'm like, Whoa, I'm, I'm calling child support and volunteering to pay them money. And, and, and somebody said to me, somebody, I think my, my former sponsor, Valerie says to me, she says, you know what, Tammy, they don't want your money. I was like, really? Yay. She said, no, they want their money. So you know, it was like that's a foreign concept. They don't want your money, Tammy. They want their money. You took their money and they want it. They used their money to pay for your kids while you were in prison and they would like to get some of it back. Okay. But I never could look at it like that. It was always my money. And whoever was taking care of my kids while I was locked up, well, they did it because they wanted to, right? Well, yeah, whatever. They didn't. And it was hard. You know, and it's like, so for me to be able to like step outside of what my old ideas are, you know, and to like take responsibility for my whole life, that shit's drastic, right? But I can tell you, at almost four and a half years, I got a 780 credit score, which is exceptional. And i worked my ass off for it. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying that. Look, I'm not saying it for a round of applause. I'm saying it because you, 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 everybody here, everybody there, everybody here, y'all can all have it. You can all have it. You can all stand on your own two feet. You don't need a fucking soul else. Except for your support. Like, when I think about, I think about all the hands that have held mine. So I can think about the not good hands that have held mine. That they drug me on a path of destruction. That maybe they, you know, when I was a small child, maybe they drugged me in a direction that would scar me for the rest of my life, and they did, right? But at some point, other people started putting their hand out. And for a long time, I bit those. Yep, for a long time. And I think, you know, most of us can say that, right? Um, I think about how many people have taken those exorbitant number of calls and, and paid those bills for me when I was in here dialing those phones. I just wanted to talk to somebody. Please listen to me, right? Well, I needed to listen to them. And even though not all the advice was good, like, like they wouldn't have taken the call if they hated me, right? They just, people would see like the potential, just like I can look around the room and I can see all the potential. I know there's heads on, and hearts on all these shoulders, right? And it's like, at some point, you know, and, it, and I, I wish that I would have done this a lot sooner because I'm getting up there, right? And I, I'm, I'm like thinking about my own sense of mortality and <clears throat> like my mom and my grandma, all them, they, they all died in their uh, mid to late 60s, right? And so like, I'm like looking at the watch Yeah, I'm getting up there. And um, so I have to make a decision today, like if I'm gonna take care of myself, which starts with my clean time, like that's number one, my clean time is number one. Without spiritual help, I'm not gonna have clean time. So I gotta tend to that. If I want the clean time, I gotta do the stuff to earn the clean time, right? One day at a time, I got to earn the stuff to get the clean time. Then, you know, I've got to earn a living. Then I've also got to take care of my body. So I started going to the doctor. Well, yeah, I shot dope since I was a little kid, since I was nine years old. Did my first shot when I was nine. I, did, I had my first narcotic when I was three. Because I, I had a childhood illness, I had meningitis when I was a baby, and so they had me in, you know, in isolation and stuff like that. And so I was on narcotics very young. I started, you know, come from a family that, you know, drinks and shoots dope. And by the time I was nine, I was doing it cognizantly. By the time I was uh, ten, I was in a gang. I, I'd been incarcerated in juvenile corrections. If anybody's ever heard of Janie Porter Barrett School for Girls, well, I was there when I was nine and stayed there for 10 months, escaped, got away, got in a gang down in Florida, stayed there until I was in my 20s. When He was talking about the bikes and everything. It ain't about that. I'll tell you what, it was about the dope, because it was a lot. But i tell you what, when I think about the hands, and so those are some hands that held mine, right? And, and it's like I have to be cognizant of those hands even today because what happened then, even, even when stuff wasn't my fault then, I still drag that shit into my now, right? And so I'm responsible to like recognize when I'm being weighted down by that type of, you know, by, by old ideas. Anybody reading about old ideas and your recovery stuff? It says we got to get rid of them. So, um, you know, I so I was in Newport News, and, you know, I, I finally did find a little house in Newport News. I didn't have to pay very much for it. It was right in the hood, right in, like, in downtown Newport News. If anybody knows where downtown Newport News is, it, there's bullets flying. There's dope everywhere, everywhere, front, back, side, side, right. And I didn't use. Then, so I also, like we're talking about health, um, then I also had a treatment for hepatitis. I got cured of that. I tried four times to get cured of hepatitis. I had the worst kind of was like the hardest to treat. And I was like, hardest to treat? No new news there. I was always hardest to treat, right? Um, so then, you know, I do everything, like, I do everything really high, strong. So I went, when I went to Newport News, I, I joined the gym, and I'm, like, lifting weights and um, stuff like that. And next thing you know, I bopped the side of my neck. And when I did that, I crumbled, like, uh, four levels in my neck. Um yeah. And so for about three or four months getting ready for this surgery, I had to have surgery on my spine and they cut a hole right here and they moved my throat over, they went into the back side of my spine and they put pads in and they built a little Jacob's Ladder around it all. But I had, and so I wanna say this about reservations is that for months waiting for this doggone surgery, I knew, I was like, I knew in my heart If this addict takes one morphine pill, one Percocet, one anything like that, it's going to turn me into a monster. So for a long time, I didn't even want to have, I just, I said, I'll deal with the numbness, I'll deal with the pain. I ain't going to do it. But it got to a point where I didn't have any choice. And so, you know, I I could have had reservation because, you know, because there's nothing Tammy loves better than clocking out with some drugs, because uh, that's usually why I use, not because I want to party and get high, but because I want to clock out. And uh, so I ended up approaching the surgery, and so the same doctor that went and put this little thing in my, in my tummy, you know, the implant, and um, so I went back to the same doctor who did that, and I started talking with, with her talking to her about, okay, well, this is what I gotta do. And, and uh, this is what, and, and so I connected my addiction doctor with my medical doctor and my sponsor. So like, we all got stuff we gotta do, right? And we gotta do it in such a way that we're not harboring a reservation that I get a free ride to get high, right? Or you know, or whatever. But what ended up happening was I went into the surgery. I had ACDF surgery C three through C seven, which is very serious, right? I was on drugs for two days, y'all. Two days. I had every pill. Took pictures of them, and I took them to the DEA tape back at the at the Rite Aid and turned them back in, and I had pictures of all that shit, man. And I'm going to tell you what, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And, and, like, I started walking the beach, you know, and next thing you know, like, I was back working in, like, three weeks, and everybody's like, wait a minute, didn't you just have spine surgery? You know? So anything that happens in life, like, I think about the program, um, the twelve step program right I think about that, and I used to think that that I had to go and I had to stick my life in and plug it into that but but what really happens is that has to be the central thing you know, and then all my life situations I plug into it instead of the other way around you know i don 't bring i don 't bring the the a 's into my life I bring my life to the a 's you know n a a a whatever g a s a whatever all a's right i i bring my life to it and um, and i set it right in the middle and as long as i keep doing that um, you know i stand a chance at getting another day clean you know like like coming here i've spent so much of my life behind bars y'all i've spent over 20 years behind bars you know, if you add it all together, you know, 10 in one stretch, but it's always been like, you know, two, three more, four four more. You know, it's like 20 solid years of my life has been spent sitting in those fucking ass chairs right there, wearing those uniforms, changing three times a week, right? If you're lucky. Man, that sucks. And I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want you to do it anymore, any more than I want me to. So when y'all are done with this, you got a chance. If you are sitting in this room today, you have a chance to do this differently. And there's, there's some people in this room that they're like, oh, man, that is such a crock of shit, man. But I'm going to tell you what, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it right because it has given me a life that i never dreamed possible like i would have now i mean like the bank is telling me that i'm ready for a house and i'm like no 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 i'm not ready but they're telling me i am and my sponsors telling me i am and like the banker is telling me i am ready right but you know what the only way that it will happen it will happen right it'll happen But i got to stay clean just for today. And then tomorrow, get up and do it again. So I just invite you all. I invite you all to come and join me with it. All right? Thanks. Thanks, Marshall.
1: Thank you, chairman. Thank you. Man. I heard I heard Tammy talking about herself. I heard her talking about herself and got real deep with it. I hope I hope y'all were listening you know uh, because there's a difference between hearing somebody and actually listening you know uh, one of the things I got from her when she came to that crossroads uh, is it money or staying clean you know I'm broke a, or what I'm I do, you know? Am I going to stay clean? And I mean, a lot of us have gotten to that, that crossroads before, you know? When you get out here, it ain't like a whole bunch of money going to be waiting for you, you know? Or what you going to do, you know? Go do something wrong, compound being broke, ended up back in the joint again. Ended up back in jail again. I, I mean, when I saw the hands go up. For more than four times, you know, that that let me know that your way at least five times didn't work. You know? Uh I thank her for talking about herself. A lot of times we don't we, we don't get that, you know. But but her talking about herself was magnificent. Y'all got any questions? Any questions? Hey Rob, you Rob Rob got the mic. Got a couple of questions for you, Tammy.
0: <laughs> Tim, I just want to say, I know your story. You know it's all true. Exactly. So yeah. I can verify everything you said. You know, I'm to the point now, you know, I, I talk a lot in groups. I, I hold groups and they always say, Q, you need to be, you need to come and speak. I almost didn't come today, but when I came in here, man, and I saw you, I'm to the point now where I don't even really, like, to ask, where is this one? How is this one doing? Because usually people been uh, went out, off the and all they died or whatever. I wonder what happened to you, because I don't see you out there. You know, I didn't see you out there no more. I just want to say, man, I'm proud
2: of you, James. Thank you. And because there's I more. Know. There's plenty.
1: That's a clap.
2: You know what? I I can take it. If I, I, can, I could, I would come up there and give you a big. Hug listen, right up here, listen up to I this. Listen up to this, you. Out. I can guarantee you, five from our group. Five, I know five people right now that's got five years clean. I know. And you can have it, too. Well, we, yeah.
0: we, was, we was in drug court in 2010,
2: right? Something like that. Go ahead. Tell
0: yeah. <laughs> me, yeah. yeah. I just want you to know I'm proud yeah. of you. Thanks. Yeah.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. And I like, I like what, what Tammy was saying. I mean, I, I don't know what your perception is, but my perception is, too, is that, man, we are all, including me, we are some sick individuals. But once we started, once we started finding out the things about ourselves, we know how to deal with that. You know, I know how to navigate now because I'm sick. You know? And the point that she was making, if you never know, if you never find out how sick you are, you can't get well. You can't get well. All of us got defects of courage. And all of us got blind spots. Most of us in here got blind spots. We can't see ourselves, man, when the rails come off. You know? We're still going. You know what I mean? And if we got somebody that's going to continuously push us in the wrong direction, that's where we're going. That's the thing about going to meetings. and, And, you know, getting with a support group and getting with the herd. And getting with somebody that's trying to do something different, you know, it changes your life, man. Keep peeling the onion. I changed my thinking and it changed my life. Because I stayed with that thinking, like you were saying, for so long. You know, I, I got a certificate, CPRS certificate, when I was 60 something years old. And my thoughts were, man, what 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 I need? You know, I'm too old to go to school. You know, and man, I, I went to school and I ate that thing, man. I had to study for about two, three months. I ate that thing, and it was benefits from it. You know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm in demand. People will call me to do groups. You know, uh, and I got an asking price. You know what I'm saying? You know, I never saw that coming. Never saw that coming, you know. But that's one of the benefits of recovery. Any more questions? Any more questions? Any more questions later? All right. Y'all come back. Y'all come back. We got the next, and we'll be here again with another speaker. Thank you for coming. of uh, which man <laughs>